Hey everyone, Saltgrass Steakhouse is now open in Mishawaka. Wrangle up the crew and head down to Saltgrass Mishawaka for an unforgettable experience. Sink your teeth into mouth-watering char-grilled, certified Angus beef steaks. Sip on ice-cold craft cocktails. And don't forget to try the famous Spicy Range Rattlers, all made daily in the Scratch Kitchen. Start making delicious memories at Saltgrass Mishawaka, 5126 North Main Street, across from Lazy Boy Furniture Galleries. Dine with us today. Live from our WSBT Radio studios in downtown South Bend. Let's go! Come on! Ah! Welcome to Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat. Wow, don't blink. A lot of major intestinal fortitude going on here. On your home for Notre Dame football. Knocked down by Wooden. The game is over. The Irish has upset Florida State. Notre Dame is number one. And Notre Dame basketball. Number one ranked UCLA Bruins have been upset by the Irish of Notre Dame. Come wins the national championship for Notre Dame. Plus fighting Irish hockey. They score! Jake Evans scores! Notre Dame. 3.7 seconds away from a spot in the national championship game. The NFL and Major League Baseball. Oh my gracious, yeah. how about that? Sports Radio 960 WSBT, WSBTradio.com, the free WSBT radio app. Big time budgets. Now here's your host, seven-time Associated Press Broadcasting Award winner. Darren Pritchett. Not the result that we came here for. And there's no such thing as a moral victory. We didn't we didn't win. We didn't finish the game. We didn't execute. Um, I think we found out we got a good football team. We got a good, we got a tough, we got a football team. We got to learn how to finish. And uh, that's ultimately what happened in the game. Battle, battle for three and a half, four, uh, two and a half quarters. Um, and then they score one 17 seconds before the half, before the third quarter. And then we don't respond and they go in the score in the fourth quarter and that's the game that's really the game that we didn't finish we got to be able to finish when it matters the most and uh that's ultimately what costs us so we got a lot to learn from from this game um the beauty of this thing is i just told the group in the locker room we don't have to wait 245 days we're able to we got seven days for another opportunity so uh we got to get back to work it may go beyond just finishing Offensive line play, wide receiver getting space from defensive backs on down the line. There are a lot of things that led up to the finishing conversation. The Irish lose at Ohio State on Saturday night, 21-10, a game that they led throughout the ball game, but unfortunately just could not pull out the victory. The Buckeyes... A really good offense held in check by the Fighting Irish and Notre Dame, as we expected, came in with a very conservative game plan, and it kept them in front for two and a half quarters. But once the Irish went with the double safety blitz on third and 11 from the Ohio State 24, the Buckeyes threw right over the top of that blitz for a touchdown that put them in front to stay. Buckeyes are 1-0. and Notre Dame 0-1 up next, a home game against the thundering herd of Marshall Saturday, 2.30 kickoff on Sports Radio 960 WSBT. We welcome you to the latest installment of Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat as we broadcast live on 960 AM WSBT, a live stream 
available right now at WSBTradio.com and on our free WSBT Radio app. We also have a live video feed of the show right now on the Twitch app. My name is Darren Pritchett. Great to have you on board on this Tuesday, September the 6th of 2022. Sports beat on the air tonight, full two hours until 7 o'clock. We get the full two hours because the South Bend Cubs once again are in the central time zone and South Bend taking on Cedar Rapids on the road tonight. Here the game on WSBT Radio, 735 first pitch, 715. The pregame coverage starts here on Sports Radio 960 WSBT. A boatload of Notre Dame football talk to get to on this Tuesday. Here's just a sampling of some of the things I'd like to talk to you about. Coming up in our next segment, we're going to talk about the Notre Dame defense that put forth a stern effort against that high-powered Ohio State offense. The pass coverage held up pretty well in that ball game against C.J. Stroud and Ohio State. We have our Twitter question of the day coming up in just about 40 minutes. Also, five things you need to know about Marshall. We have Mike Singer on the program once again tonight. It's Tuesday, so we'll talk Notre Dame football recruiting with the Notre Dame football recruiting insider from Blue and Gold Illustrated. Read his work right now at blueandgold.com. Then at 6.30 tonight, my first installment of the year of my Notre Dame opponent ranking, something I did on Sportsbeat AM when I was on that program last year. And basically, we take the 12 teams on the Notre Dame football schedule, and I have my own poll, just like you have the AP and the coaches poll. I guess it's the DP Notre Dame opponent rankings. So we rank the opponents of Notre Dame from 12 to 1. So we will have that conversation coming up in about an hour and 20 minutes, and we'll talk some sports wagering. It was a really good night last night going 3-0-1. The push was the Clemson-Georgia Tech game. I went under 51 total points. It ended up 41-10 Clemson, 51 right on the button. That was looking great in the second quarter. Almost through the first half, it was 7-0 Clemson, but the scoring unfortunately picked up, and it ended up being a push. But other than that, 3-0-1 last night in our picks, so we'll review those and come up with four brand-new picks for tonight as we have Budweiser's weekday sports beat coming your way on your home of the Fighting Irish Sports Radio 960 WSBT. The first pitch had the first pitch of the night. And we are ready for the first pitch. Into the windup in his first offering. Just a bit outside. He tried the corner and missed. Our first pitch tonight. Don't put all of your disappointment, anger, frustration, whatever word you want to use to talk about how you were just disappointed with what happened on Saturday. But don't put all your disappointment on the shoulders of the play calling on Saturday. I think there's too much Tommy Reese this, Tommy Reese that. So let's have a little conversation about the Irish offense on Saturday. First off, the numbers don't lie. 30 rushes for the Irish in the ballgame. They averaged 2.5 yards per carry. 
Tyler Buckner started eight for eight throwing the football, ended up only hitting on two of his last 10. Buckner in his first collegiate start, 10 of 18, 177 yards, did not turn the football over. He was sacked three times. So for the game, the Irish offense, only 253 yards of total offense, 12 first downs, eight punts. They were three of 13 on third down in the contest. Marcus Freeman, the head coach of the Fighting Irish, tipped his hand last week in regard to how important it was for Notre Dame to be able to run the football in this contest. The Irish wanted to run the ball early, often, and efficiently. They wanted to control the clock, milk the clock, however you want to say it. One of the important parts of this game was keeping Ohio State quarterback C.J. Stroud as a spectator. We wanted him to watch Audric Estime pound that Ohio State defense. Then you mix in a little Logan Diggs. How about a jet sweep to Chris Tyree? That was the plan. And you know what? For two and a half quarters, the Irish had the lead. I wouldn't say it was necessarily working perfectly, but bottom line, they had the lead through two and a half quarters. I talked about this on yesterday's program on Labor Day. As a Bronco fan, we went with the same attitude against the Panthers in Super Bowl 50. You did not want Cam Newton on the field with that high-powered offense. And we had Peyton Manning, who was on the downside of his career, so running the football, playing great defense, was the game plan, and it worked out pretty well as Denver won that Super Bowl 24-10. Now, the Irish, unfortunately, didn't have a guy like Von Miller coming off the edge disrupting C.J. Stroud. Ohio State did a really good job of keeping Isaiah Foskey pretty quiet in this football game. The offensive coordinator is in charge of running the offense. Tommy Reese is that guy. He is calling the plays, and he had orders from the head coach of the type of game he wanted to see, and that was running the football. I think it's fair to say, I don't want to put words in the coach's mouth, but be careful. Don't take too many chances. Don't put the defense in a difficult position. Don't put Tyler Buckner in a position where he's going to turn the football over. Those were the orders from headquarters. And you know what? Tommy Reese put together a game plan that tried to follow up those orders. Now, every single game we watch as a football fan, our favorite team, there's always going to be a handful of plays where we think we're the smartest people in the room, I guess. Oh, why didn't my guy call that player? Why didn't they throw it? Why didn't they do this? Hey, it's part of the fun of being a fan and an armchair quarterback. I'm sure when Denver plays Seattle Monday night with Russell Wilson as quarterback, there'll be three or four plays. Why didn't they do that? So sure, me as a media member or as a fan watching the game, were there a couple of plays where I threw my hands up in the air? What are we doing? Of course. But throughout the whole game, no, because we had an understanding what Notre Dame wanted to do in this game. What I didn't like, opening drive, third and nine from the Ohio State 15. 
The Irish went with a running play to Buckner. I thought that was awfully conservative in the red zone considering how much time they have spent working on red zone in fall camp. I'm sure the way they looked at it, they're in field goal range, get the three points, don't walk away empty-handed. I just don't live life like that. If you have a chance to put a touchdown on the board, if there's a play you really like down in the red zone using the arm of Tyler Buckner, you got to trust him. I know it's his first time starting. He had experience last year. We heard last week, well, he played in a similar environment in Blacksburg against Virginia Tech, so it wasn't his first time in that environment. But they ran it, so yeah, that one I wasn't thrilled about. When they were down 14-10 early in the fourth quarter, near midfield, the second down and 18 sweep to Tyree. Wasn't a big fan of that. I thought that was a spot in that point of the game where throwing the football twice would give the Irish the best chance to succeed. Tyree got nothing, which meant if you're going to be conservative on second and 18, you were going to be conservative on third and 18. I get it. Totally understand. I just like to have seen a little more aggression on second down. But I also understand what I'm sure the coaches were thinking. Early fourth quarter, down four, near midfield. My defense is playing well. Don't take a chance. Punt it. Perfectly executed by special teams. It was down to the five-yard line, so you had Ohio State backed up. The hope was three and out, punt, get the ball back near midfield, start all over. So I get the thinking. I know where they were going. I liked the chance to throw a couple of times on second and third down, but I also understand what the other side of the coin was showing us. Unfortunately, 95 yards later, Ohio State scored the put-away touchdown and won the game 21-10. I also got a little hot under the collar on a change of possession. You know how all the offensive players are near the sideline, hulling around the offensive coaches before the offense goes out on the field? They were still doing that with 14 on the play clock and had to burn a timeout. Second-half timeouts are precious. Can't happen. That's Granger Rocket football mistake. That can't happen in the horseshoe in a college football game with so much on the line and you're right smack dab in the ball game with a chance to win it. So yeah, those three things, but that's three things. Otherwise, I understood the game plan coming in. That was the plan from above and Tommy Reese tried to execute it. Marcus Freeman was asked about trying to balance. You've got the lead. You want to maintain it but also you don't want to lose your aggression. You still have to think about tacking on points, trying to expand the lead. So Coach Freeman was asked about that balancing act he tried to handle in the game against Ohio State. Can't be surprised when all of a sudden it's a 10 to seven ball game in midway through the third quarter against a really, really good football team. Don't be surprised. That's gotta be the expectations for this group. And uh, now we have to earn just not don't hold on you know and I felt that a little bit in me as a coach just ah, we're holding on it's 10 to 7 you know midway through the third we have to continue to attack and continue to execute and, and that's what we got to do and that's a good way of putting it holding on they were holding on it wasn't like they were going for that knockout punch they were just kind of jabbing hanging in there 
just trying to avoid getting knocked out because they were in really good position. So the follow-up question was, all the talk about finishing, did you finish? Was there too much conservative thinking in the second half rather than attacking, trying to expand the lead? We're trying to continue to find ways to score, right, and prevent them from scoring. And that's our mindset is that we can't preserve anything. we got to continue to attack. we got to be able to run the football, right? And, and that wasn't something we were able to do as well as we were in the second half as well as we were in the first half. And so that's what we really got to improve on. Not having Jared Patterson had to contribute to that. It did. I, I mean, I will go back and we'll watch the film. I mean, obviously, when you don't have an All-American out there, there's not just a, a physical loss, but there's the mental and emotional loss that you lose with not having a, an All-American, a, a two-year captain um, on the field. But um, I, I'm proud of those young guys. I'm proud of Christophic, and, and I think uh, Carmody got in there and played well. Um, we'll learn from it, but you, you, if you can't handle having a loss at one guy, then we're not going to be able to win as many games as we want. So, for those of you that are questioning, upset with Reese, you just heard the head coach there when asked about finishing and keeping attacking. What do you bring up? Running the football. There was a stretch of the game where the Irish on first down ran it eight out of nine times. Is that a sign of being a little too predictable? It's exactly what we wanted to do. That was our plan going into the game. We have to control the clock. Um, limit their offensive possessions, and run the football. That was our mindset for this game. That's what our keys victory were, and we executed. It's a 10-7 game, again, until seconds left in the third quarter. So we knew we weren't going to try to outscore. We were going to have a, a plan to try to control the ball, run the ball, keep the clock running, um, and limit their offensive possessions. And, again, we executed until all of a sudden we had to get to the passing game and, and we go three and out, and, um, you know, we just didn't finish the way we wanted to. Again, what did you hear there? Run, 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 run. So I don't get the certain frustration with the offensive play caller. You're hearing the head coach talking about run, 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 run. Sound like Newt Rockney. What I like to see in a little more creativity in the run game, maybe a jet sweep for Styles just to get him more involved. He had two targets in the football game. Stun, that was it. Is there a way to get in the football to try to make a play? He's got that speed that makes him an Avenger. Electric speed. Same with Lindsey. So, sure, would, there, would I like to see a little more creativity in the run game? Sure. But otherwise, that was the plan going in. Tommy Reese tried to execute it. Had his team in front going into the latter stages of the third quarter. But when it came time to throw the football... It just was not going to happen. There was a play to Mayer on the sideline where the ball was thrown two seconds late. He was open. Buckner waited too long to throw it, and the window closed, and it was an incomplete pass. So with the conservative nature of the game plan, did Coach Freeman have confidence in Tyler Buckner in this moment, on this stage, in his first collegiate start? First collegiate start in that type of environment and in that type of game um, I was really pleased I think at one point in the first half um, Tyler was I wrote it down here I don't know even eight of eight of eight of eight but like eight of ten in the first half something like that I mean he did I mean that's really good and they had sent me some number for a QB rating I don't know much about QB rating so I told him I can't use that um, 
but I was really pleased. And, and the other thing is zero turnovers, you know, and the plays he was able to make with his legs. And, and he got beat up now. I mean, and we knew going in that game we were going to have to run Tyler Buckner. Um, that's not our plan every week, but we knew that game in order to try to establish maybe some run game, we are going to have to run him a little bit. And, and he got hit, and he continued to – um, get up and keep going and they said on the sidelines that he was the leader he was getting guys going and positive and I mean we got ourselves a quarterback and uh, there's a strong belief in what he can do for this football program Tyler Buckner in a month and a half maybe the way the Irish look at this game is totally different but on Saturday they had the mindset of what it took to win the football game I get it I don't have a problem with it. They held that Ohio State offense down to 21 points. It feels like that's enough to win the football game. But when they needed to get more from their offense, only 72 yards in the second half, they're just... It was almost like this. You could feel Notre Dame was holding on for dear life throughout the game with the lead, but once they lost the lead, did you have confidence that all of a sudden... The switch was going to flip, and all of a sudden the offense was going to take off. You know, unfortunately, I didn't. I thought they had their chance near midfield. And you had the second and 18, and the run play was called, and that ended up being really the last chance for Notre Dame because the Buckeyes then took it down the field 95 yards for a touchdown. Hey, as a fan, it's easy just to blame the person calling the plays. It is the easy way out. I get it. I've done it. But you look at the execution of the team in this game, it wasn't very good. Offensive line breakdowns, receivers' inability to consistently get open. There was more to this football game than just automatically pointing to one guy calling the plays. This was an offensive group that just did not execute at a good enough level to execute the game plan that the head coach wanted. In a couple of weeks, hopefully this offensive line will be in better position to succeed. There were some interior offensive line problems in that ball game. We saw it. Buckner a couple of times got out of trouble, I'm not sure how, to avoid a bigger loss. So, to me, this isn't about finishing the game. It's not about the play calling. It's about player execution. And it just was not good enough in this game against Ohio State. Now they get Marshall, a team that put up 55 against Norfolk State. A chance for the Irish to dominate and get back on track. Then you got a Pac-12 opponent in Cal. Then you get to 2-1 and one and you start trying to get on a roll. Carolina is going to be probably a wild game considering their offense is great and their defense is greatly bad. Clemson looked really good last night. The running game wasn't that great against Georgia Tech, but DJU looked a whole lot better. Their defense looked outstanding. So there's a lot of challenges ahead. But first things first, let's see what they can get accomplished in taking the next step against Marshall. You hear coaches say sometimes the biggest improvement a team makes is from game one to game two. We'll see if that holds true to the Fighting Irish on Saturday. 2.30 kickoff here on WSBT Radio. 
The Marcus Freeman Show starts our pregame coverage at 8 a.m. Tim and Jim have the Legacy Heating and Air Game Day Show from 9 to 11. Blue and Gold's Tyler Horka joins me for Game Day Sports Beat, powered by Michelob Ultra from 11 until 1.30. And then we've got kickoff at 2.30 with the official Notre Dame football postgame show after the game, all in one spot. Sports Radio 960 WSBT. You can listen to Budweiser's weekday sports beat live or on demand with our free WSBT radio app. Just search WSBT radio in the app store and Google play. Now back to local sports talk on sports beat with your host, Darren Pritchett. This installment of Budweiser's weekday sports beat brought to you by our title sponsor, Budweiser. The King of Beers, locally distributed by United Beverage Company of South Bend. Football fans, this bud's for you. By the Mishawaka Education Foundation, granting a better future. South Bend Orthopedics, team positions for the University of Notre Dame since 1949. By Midland Engineering Company, beginning their second century of quality roofing experience. By Tim Growl, State Farm Insurance for surprisingly great rates that fit anyone's budget. Call Tim at 574-232-9981. By Legacy Heating and Air, a Cook family business. Pet Refuge, urging you to adopt, don't shop, or new beginnings have happy endings. By the Food Bank of Northern Indiana, September is Hunger Action Month. How will you choose to help end hunger? Learn more at feedindiana.org. And by Four Winds Casinos, your entertainment escape must be 21 years old. Please play responsibly. 23 minutes in front of 6 o'clock on this Tuesday, the first ever Marcus Freeman radio show comes your way Thursday night at 7 o'clock following Sportsbeat here on Sports Radio 960 WSBT Marcus will look back at the Ohio State game and spring forward and talk about the matchup this Saturday, his first ever home game as the head coach of the Irish against Marshall. Well, as a defensive coordinator by trade, I would have to think Marcus Freeman's got to be pretty proud of the defensive effort put together by Al Gold and his staff and the players on Saturday. Didn't end the way you wanted in terms of that 95-yard drive, but this football team held that high-powered Ohio State offense to under 400 yards of total offense and under their average from last year of 45 points. In fact, 21 did not even go what halfway to their total from last year. You look at the Heisman hopeful quarterback C.J. Stroud of Ohio State, 24 of 34 for 223 yards, two touchdowns. He was not picked off. He was sacked one time, and that was by Howard Cross on the opening drive of the contest. Notre Dame was credited with two pass breakups. You know, this stat and quarterback hurries sometimes are not kept in the same fashion by every team. Some teams stress more stats than others, and I'm not sure if this is on the money or not, but Notre Dame was credited with two pass breakups. Morrison and Lewis had those. 
The Irish were up 10-7 late in the third quarter. The Buckeyes faced a third down and 11 from the Notre Dame 24-yard line. After a timeout, Ohio State had a chance to talk things over. Notre Dame had a chance to put their best play on the field, and this was the end result. Third down, 11 from the 24-yard line of Notre Dame. Here comes a safety blitz. Stroud stands in, throws middle of the field. Touchdown, Ohio State. Ball caught three yards deep in the end zone by Xavier Johnson on the post route. And when you bring safeties on the blitz and you don't hit the quarterback, middle of the field is wide open. 24-yard touchdown, 17 seconds left in the third quarter. Ohio State leads Notre Dame 13-10. Paul Burmeister with the call on the Notre Dame Radio Network, heard right here on WSBT Radio. Burmeister, a former college quarterback who played at Ohio Stadium, understands what defenses are trying to do as a former quarterback, and he nailed it perfectly. Could not have said it any better. When you bring both safeties and you don't get to the quarterback, there is what feels like the Grand Canyon available for the quarterback to throw the football down the middle of the field. And Xavier Johnson ran a post to the end zone. Jaden Mickey, the freshman, was just a stride behind. Stroud saw the pressure coming and threw a really outstanding football, perfectly hitting Johnson. And Ohio State took the lead with that particular touchdown throw, a lead they would not give back at that point. It was 14-10 in favor of Ohio State. Now, this particular call has brought forth a lot of conversation amongst fans and media members. The two safeties for Notre Dame were 10 to 12 yards from the line of scrimmage. It looked like they got a late start. You don't want to give it away too much, but there seemed to be just a split second where they didn't get the start you were looking for. And really, on that blitz, bringing extra bodies, they got close to Stroud, but not close enough because he got rid of the football and threw it accurately to Johnson for the touchdown, and the Heisman hopeful put Ohio State in front. You know, Mickey was just a little bit behind Johnson. You can't put it on him as when you bring pressure, when you bring extra bodies, you got to get to the quarterback, or what happened oftentimes happens. So the Buckeyes jumped in front 14-10 in route to a 21-10 Victory. Hey, this coaching staff, they broke down all the tape. They had a good understanding of what they needed to do against the Ohio State offense, and they had not used the double safety blitz the entire game. The coaching staff had done a really good job throughout the ball game of putting the defense in a position where they were not going to let C.J. Stroud and that Ohio State offense rely on the big play, that explosive hit. A 70-yard touchdown pass. The horseshoe explodes. Momentum is gone. Fans are going to be extra loud on that next series. Notre Dame gets the football back. You just wanted Stroud in that offense to go 13, 14 plays down the field, kind of like they did in that 95-yard touchdown drive. But that's what you want other than that big, explosive play. So the Irish did not use the double safety blitz the entire game. But during the timeout, it was decided that was the right call. First time they had used it all night. And Marcus Freeman was asked about the decision to go with that double safety blitz. No, we, we, 
it was right before timeout. And we had a timeout. And I remember Coach Golden said, hey, do you guys like whatever the call was? And it was a zero pressure. And I agreed. Everybody else agreed. And, you know, you look at the execution of that play. It's not the call. You know, it's third and 11. Um, we had said going to the game, we were, you know, we had a plan for third down. And one of those plans was to be able to bring six and be able to play a zero pressure. We had not run that all game. And we said, OK, here's a good time for it. And you know, the execution of it wasn't where we wanted. The safeties were a little bit too late. We had a guy drop out when he probably should have been going. You know, we got to get inside leverage with the nickel. And, you know, you got a freshman in that big moment. And, you know, if we could, again, go back and do it over again, I wouldn't change the call, probably just change the way we communicate and the execution of it. But, um, man, that was a heartbreaker and, and, you know, obviously changed the tide of the game. Well, no doubt. It was a big, big call, a big play in the football game. And you heard Marcus say it very clearly. They wouldn't change the call. It was the right call. Freeman pointed to player execution as the reason why Ohio State scored a touchdown. I'm curious, during the timeout, do you go over the finer details of that double safety blitz to make sure everybody is on the same page? Do you have time to, if you're the safety coach, to talk to the safety, say, hey, Remember, dot, 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 dot. Because obviously, based on what Marcus said, the execution was extremely poor on that play. It was not one person. It was multiple individuals not executing the play properly. The call was right, according to the coach, but it was the player's responsibility to nail their assignments. And obviously, based on what the coach is telling us, multiple players on the defense did not execute the play properly and that is a huge mistake sometimes you get away with it in this moment with that quarterback and that team you paid the price Xavier Johnson not the first guy you would expect to get the football caught the touchdown pass and then on the ensuing kickoff he made the tackle inside the 20 yard line and for unfortunately one of too many times the Irish were starting deep in their own territory in this ball game. A couple of bright spots. You got to think about what Tariq Bracey did in this football game. Targeted eight times, five completions against him, but for only 22 yards. The damage extremely minimal against cornerback Tariq Bracey. Yeah, he, Tariq's been consistent, you know, and that's something that um, from the minute I got here, he was talented. There was no question of how talented Tariq Bracey is. Um, but what he's shown us is he's been able to be consistent and every day um, really, really perform at a high level, and he did that on Saturday. And we've used him at multiple different positions for him to be able to play nickel and then go out the corner and then go back to nickel and, you know, ask him to do different things. Um, he's really performing right now as a senior should and a guy that you're going to really, really depend on. And so um, I couldn't be more pleased with, you know, his performance. Agree with that. They did pick on Cam Hart a little bit in the ball game. gave up – the touchdown pass to get Ohio State on the board. Overall, you got to be pleased with the defense at the end of the day. And how about a couple of young guys getting on the field at Ohio State? Not a bad way to start their careers. Coach Freeman talked about Jaden Mickey and Benjamin Morrison, their performances against C.J. Stroud and that Ohio State offense. Really good, really positive. Um, Jaden Mickey obviously gave up the one touchdown, but it's not just on him. There's a whole bunch to it, right, that we have to, uh, you know, people look at him and he gave a touchdown, but 
there was the pressure that they didn't get home. There was a couple other things that we got to make sure we get corrected. But to have Jaden Mickey and uh, Ben Morrison play and perform at the level they did it uh, in that game as true freshmen, wow, they're going to be special. Both of those two players are going to be special uh, football players for our program for years to come. And, uh, you know, Coach Mix did a good job in evaluating those two guys. And, you know, but that's something Coach Mick has done in the past. I mean, he's the same guy that evaluated Sauce Gardner when me as a defense coordinator. Uh, I don't know. And he said, no, Sauce Gardner's the guy. Same thing Jaden Mickey, man. He came last year and stood on the table. This is the guy. Ben Morrison, this is the guy. You sure? Okay. He was right, you know, so he's done a really good job of it. He does a great job of evaluating talent and then developing their skill. One thing that would help Mickey and Morrison, Hart, Bracey, Lewis, Pressure on the quarterback. The Irish sack Stroud one time again. It was Howard Cross on the opening drive of the football game. According to the stats from Ohio State, Notre Dame was not credited with a quarterback hurry. It feels like there should have been a couple at least mixed in there on the stat sheet. But, again, that's a stat that normally you go back and you fix later on in the week when you watch the video because it seemed like Notre Dame had a little more pressure than that on Stroud, but obviously only brought him to the turf one time in the ballgame. So at the end of the day, under 400 yards of total offense, only 21 points allowed. The Irish defense put together a championship-level performance. Unfortunately, the offense could not find their footing. And at the end of the day, Marcus Freeman got a really outstanding effort from Al Golden's defense. I thought they played really well until those last two series, right? The last series of the third and then that touchdown series of the fourth. I thought they played really well. To hold that offense to seven points till the end of the third quarter is a huge accomplishment. Again, we're not in for moral victory, man. We got to look at it and say, okay, where do we got to prove that? Right? They did a great job. Coach Golden did an unbelievable job, called a great game. They played their tails off. But it still goes back. They scored 14 points with a quarter and seconds left in the game. And that's where, to me, our focus has to be. Well, we look ahead to this week. Marshall is 1-0. and They defeated Norfolk State on Saturday, 55-3. to Their quarterback is a 6'3 senior, Henry Columbi. He used to play at Utah State and Texas Tech before settling in at Marshall. And Henry was awfully good against a weak opponent, 24 of 26, throwing the football for 205 yards. That's 92% completion percentage. He had a touchdown, a pick, and was sacked two times. So he's now played in 25 career games, so an experienced guy. In his career, 68% completion percentage for 3,021 yards, 16 touchdown passes, 11 interceptions. He will run it 120 times for 319 yards and five touchdowns. His favorite target last Saturday was 6'1 junior receiver Talik Keaton, eight catches for 71 yards. He used his tight end, 6'3 senior Devin Miller, a decent amount, four receptions for Miller. For 39 yards. Marshall had over 600 yards of total offense against, again, a lower level team in Norfolk State. The Irish and Marshall this Saturday, 2 30 kickoff on Sports Radio 960 WSBT. I'll unveil the Twitter question of the day next on WSBT. This is the Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat Twitter question of the day from Sports Radio 960. 
WSBT. Darren Pritchett back with you. Five minutes in front of six o'clock on this Tuesday evening. Well, our Twitter question of the day is always available to you on my Twitter account at 960SportsBeep. Yesterday's program, this is what you voted on. What was the number one reason why Notre Dame was so conservative on offense against Ohio State? Here were the four choices I gave you. Number one, it gave the Irish the best chance to win. That was Marcus Freeman's thinking, too. Choice number two, didn't trust the quarterback. Choice number three, the flow of the game. And choice number four, when you have a very solid run game, use it. So the number one reason why Notre Dame was so conservative on offense against Ohio State, let's go through the voting. Fourth place, 7.4% of the vote. If you've got a solid run game, use it. We expect Notre Dame's running game to be very, very good this year. I think it's fair to say the offensive line did not have its best day. And I think Ohio State knew what the world knew, that Notre Dame was going to try to run the football, and if they wanted to throw to the outside, they wanted to throw the ball deep down the field, go right ahead. How about the Salerno juggling catch? Woo! All right, third in the voting. 14.9% game flow. Number one reason why Notre Dame was so conservative on offense against Ohio State. Second in the voting, 35.1% said that Notre Dame just did not trust their first-time collegiate starting quarterback, Tyler Buckner. Well, they definitely did not want a major mistake to be made. The running game was the key to success, obviously. But I think, let's be realistic. This is a hypothetical. But if you have Dan Marino, if you have John Elway, if you have Patrick Mahomes, if you have Joe Montana, you're probably not going to run it 30 times and throw it 18 times. This was a young quarterback making his first start. His first start since his junior year in high school. So they were going to reel it in offensively in this particular game. If Ian Book is your starting quarterback, I guarantee this game probably looks a whole lot different. So totally get the 35.1%. Winning the vote, 42.6%. The number one reason why Notre Dame was so conservative on offense, it gave the Irish the best chance to win. Honestly, I could vote for one, two, or three. That could have been really choice D, would have been all the above. Because did it give them the best chance to win? Yes. Did they trust their quarterback? Of course, not compared to some of the guys I just mentioned. And the flow of the game as well. They had the lead, so they continued to try to control the tempo. But winning out, best chance to win, 42.6%. Here is today's question that's already available on my Twitter account at 960SportsBeat. Based on your preseason expectations, have your thoughts on how the Notre Dame season will play out change after watching the Ohio State game? Here are your three choices. 
Same expectations. Nothing has changed. Choice number two, after watching the Irish against Ohio State, you believe they might be better than you first anticipated. And the third choice, after watching them against Ohio State, you feel like they may not be as good as you first thought. We'd love to get your opinion. You can vote now, tonight. You can vote tomorrow. I think you can vote till like 3 o'clock Eastern time tomorrow. On Twitter, just search my Twitter account at 960SportsBeat. Again, based on your preseason expectations, have your thoughts on how the Notre Dame season will play out change after watching the Ohio State game. Same expectations. They will be better or they will not be as good. Looking forward to your vote. We'll pass along the results on tomorrow's Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat. 6 o'clock at WSBT South Bend. A Sports Center update is coming up next, and then we'll have our My 5 question of the day. Five things you need to know about Saturday's opponent, Marshall. All coming up on your home of the Irish, Sports Radio 960 WSBT. One question, five answers. This is the My Five Questions of the Day on Sports Radio 960 WSBT. 612 at Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Darren Pritchett back with you on this Tuesday evening. Today's My Five Question of the Day. Five things to know about Saturday's opponent at Notre Dame Stadium, the Thundering Herd of Marshall. Ladies and gentlemen, this is number five. We'll start at number five with some general information. Marshall went 7-6 last year. They're off to a 1-0 start this year. They beat the Spartans of Norfolk State last Saturday. 55-3, the thundering herd amassed 612 yards of total offense. Henry Columbi, the starting quarterback for Marshall, 24 of 26 for 205 yards passing. Four! Well, I mentioned Marshall ended up one game over 500 last year. There was one common opponent between Marshall and Notre Dame in 2021, and it was the United States Naval Academy. Marshall beat Navy by 42, 49 to 7. Notre Dame beat the midshipmen by 28, 34 to 6. Okay, okay. Uh, number three. Five things you need to know about Marshall. Number three, they've got some notable alumni from Marshall. Let me give you a few names. Christian singer Michael W. Smith. That song, what, 15, 20 years ago? My Place in This World, very popular. Radio and TV personality, the late Soupy Sales. One of the great Hollywood names of all time. Pretty good list of football players. Randy Moss, a pro football Hall of Famer. Former Jets quarterback Chad Pennington. Current offensive coordinator for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and former quarterback for the Jacksonville Jaguars, Byron Leftwich. And former New York Giant running back, Ahmad Bradshaw. A couple of other notable alumni from Marshall. West Virginia governor. I should say former West Virginia Governor Jim Justice 
and I'm not sure this really counts, but Marshall takes credit for this, so I'm not going to argue. Even though he was only at Marshall for one year, he's listed as a notable Marshall student, actor, comedian, Billy Crystal, who actually went to Marshall on a baseball scholarship. For some reason, the baseball season was suspended that year. I don't know if it had anything to do with that tragedy with the football team or not, but Billy Crystal, at least for one year, went to Marshall, did not go back to Marshall, went back to New York to be with his girlfriend, who ended up being his wife. So Billy Crystal at least makes the list for notable Marshall alumni. Number two. Five things to know about Marshall. You probably know this, but the movie We Are Marshall, a 2006 American biographical sports drama. It depicts the aftermath of the 1970 plane crash that killed 75 people. 37 players of the Marshall football team, five coaches, two athletic trainers, the athletic director, 25 boosters, and the airplane crew of five. Matthew McConaughey was the star of We Are Marshall. He played head coach Jack Langville. Matthew Fox as assistant coach William Red Dawson. It was scored by Christopher Beck. The film addressed rebuilding the program and the healing that the community undergoes. Dr. H. Keith Spears was the Marshall University consultant to help put it all together in the movie We Are Marshall. Number one. And five things to know about Marshall. You bet Randy Moss went to Marshall, was enshrined in the Pro Football Hall of Fame in 2018, two decades after his topsy-turvy college football career came to an end. It was a career that saw him sign a letter of intent to Notre Dame, but never saw him actually enter school as a student, ended up at Marshall and had a an electrifying career at Marshall leading to going to the National Football League, went to the Minnesota Vikings in the first round, then kind of bounced around from there, a part of that undefeated regular season New England Patriot team that was knocked off by Eli Manning and the G-Men in the Super Bowl, wrecking their year of perfection. But what might have been Randy Moss in South Bend? That is today's My 5 Question of the Day, five things to know about Marshall. 2.30 kickoff this Saturday at Notre Dame Stadium. Our pregame coverage begins at 8 a.m. And don't forget... The first ever Marcus Freeman radio show right here on WSBT Radio Thursday night from 7 until 8. We're going to talk Notre Dame football recruiting, a little bit about the Notre Dame-Ohio State game with Mike Singer, the Notre Dame football recruiting insider from Blue and Gold Illustrated, blueandgold.com, next on 960 AM WSBT.
After World War I, the American economy was booming and South Bend was one of the major industrial centers of the Midwest. In this environment, Midland Engineering was founded in 1922 to provide commercial roofing installation services for local businesses and institutions such as Studebaker, Bendix, and Notre Dame. Midland Engineering was built to serve its customers best by combining the latest material and application technology with the commitment to service and uncompromised craftsmanship. And 100 years later, Midland Engineering is still serving its customers the same way. The world is always on, but you shouldn't be. Put junk sleep to bed. During Mattress Firm's Labor Day sale, get a king for the price of a queen or a queen for a twin and save up to $700 on ceiling. Talk to a sleep expert and unjunk your sleep today. Mattress Firm. Now, the latest forecast from the WSBT Weather Center. Skies will be partly cloudy tonight with lows near 60. On Wednesday, we're partly sunny with a high of 82. Sunshine for our Thursday with highs in the middle 80s. And on Friday, mostly sunny skies with a high of 85. Mostly cloudy on Saturday with a 40% chance of showers and storms. We'll reach a high of 82. And that chance of showers and storms sticks around on Sunday with a high of 76. I'm WSBT's Abby Wepler. Budweiser's weekday sports beat continues on your home of the Fighting Irish, Sports Radio 960, WSBT. I'm Darren Pritchett, joined by Mike Singer, the Notre Dame football recruiting insider at Blue and Gold Illustrated. Read his work at blueandgold.com. We're also broadcasting on the Blue and Gold YouTube channel. Mike, we start this week's Notre Dame football recruiting conversation in regard to a running back, a pretty good running back that's going to be on the Notre Dame campus this weekend. Yeah, Jeremiah Love, St. Louis Christian Brothers um, High School. Um, so th- this is one, Darren, that we had been reporting that this was likely to happen, that he was going to unofficially visit um, for the uh, Marshall game this weekend, but confirmed that through uh, sources close to Love and um, the Notre Dame side of things that he will be coming in. So this is it's, – it's, Darren, it's just a huge visit. I mean – in June, he took officials to Alabama, Michigan, Notre Dame, and uh, Texas A&M. It's a pretty darn good little top four there. Um, and the first unofficial he's taking um, – actually, I think he made might have visited like A&M at the end of July. But his first fall visit is to Notre Dame. And the feeling is if things go well on this one, that he, he could wrap things up soon afterwards and – and, and pick the Fighting Irish, and that's uh, obviously the ideal situation for Notre Dame. So um, a, a dynamic ball carrier, someone who you can um, uh, obviously play in the backfield. You can play him in the slot. I know some schools have been looking at him as a defensive back. Outstanding athlete, number 63 overall player nationally, number five running back. Notre, Darren, so Notre Dame's got two running back commitments already. Dylan Edwards is more of a scat back. I think Darren Sproles. Um, who you could just use as a running back, as a slot, in the return game, jet sweeps, kind of all that stuff. Jaden Lamar, more of a true running back, and then Jeremiah Love is somewhere in the middle of those two. Like, he's just another do-it-all athlete. So, you usually don't see three running backs in the class, but I would say it's more like 1.75 running backs, (laughs) there, if that makes sense. Um, So, uh, yeah, I I like Notre Dame to land Jeremiah Love would be a huge haul for the Irish 
um, Tommy Reese, Glenn McCullough, Marcus Freeman, all, all the Notre Dame coaches have done a nice job in this recruitment. Um, and, and you just, you know, kind of hoping to close this one out soon. And that would be the end of running back recruiting for this year? Oh, you would think so, Darren, but yeah, who knows? <laughs> yeah, but likely, yeah. Yeah, someone else could pop up. You never know. You never turn down a good football player, right? Sure, yeah. And um, that's pretty much why they're recruiting Jeremiah Love. I don't, like, if, if, if Love goes elsewhere, I don't think they're going to go recruit someone else. Okay. He's just way too good to turn down. I went to college 20 minutes from St. Louis. There's really good high school football in St. Louis, and St. Louis has been pretty good to Notre Dame the last few years. Yeah, let's think about it. you got Christian Gray's Notre Dame commit um, from St. Louis um, right now, a, a speedy cornerback. He signed Gabe Rubio from there. Um, Kyron Williams yep. played, um, you know, it's from that area. Tyson Ford's a defense, another defense alignment from St. Louis. So you got him and Gabe Rubio from there. That's just off the top of my head. Yeah, it, it, Notre Dame's done well there. Um, and, uh, yeah, I'm actually going to be in St. Louis Friday, Darren. So I will see um, Jeremiah Loves playing. Uh, and then right after the game, he's hopping on a car in, in, in a car ride to, to head to South Bend. No, we're not carpooling. Um, I've been asked that. I think people are know that uh, are asking that jokingly. Um, but uh, so I'm seeing him play against um, a, a top receiver target for the Irish in the 2024 class, Ryan Wingo. So that's going to be a fantastic game to watch. And then one of Love's teammates is Jeremiah McClellan, who's another receiver target for the Irish in 2024. So, um, yeah, Notre Dame and St. Louis is not slowing down. Can you imagine the ratings you would get? If you had a little FaceTime or a little StreamYard going on with you two hauling down the road through the <laughs> cornfields of Central Illinois, coming to South Bend, no shot. Yeah, that's not happening though. But that would be uh, that would be a legendary thing. I don't know if that would be a good story though. Oh, oh yeah, kind of creepy. Oh yeah. Hey, trust me, you guys would want to talk shop because I grew up in Central Illinois, and there's not much to see on Interstate 55 going from St. Louis to Chicago. Well, the Ohio State game for Notre Dame, the offense put up 10 points. And, hey, fans are fans. Irish fans are a little concerned about the offense after week one. And Ohio State improved a lot from last year. I was pretty impressed with them. The wide receiver position has been something we have been talking about for a very long time. And you emphasized last year the importance of Notre Dame football recruiting at the wide receiver position in the class of 2023. And really, it, it goes into the class of 2024 because the numbers are down right now on the roster, and I think there's a need to add a little more juice to the wide receiver room. Let's just take a step back. Knowing what we know now about the Notre Dame wide receiver room, give us a little glimpse of the future. Who are going to be some of the guys that are going to be joining Lorenzo Styles? Jaden Thomas, Deion Colsey, Tobias Merriweather over the next couple of years. I do want to know, Darren, I have for the YouTube audience, I have the stats from the game um, pulled up. So I know your blood's going to boil here in a little bit. But the, I mean, Notre Dame not throwing a ton to their receivers, it's nothing new. I remember the, the Louisville game. Uh, was that last year or the year before? Uh, no, it was a couple years ago. Ben Skoranek was the leading wide receiver for the team. Again, not, not counting tight ends. For like two passes for 25 yards like so this is this has been going on for years where 
the production at the receiver position is just not that high. So you had uh, Braden Lindsey had the most targets of the Notre Dame receivers, four. He caught one ball for 32 yards. Styles got two targets. That's one reception for 54 yards. Matt Salerno targeted a couple times, and, and, and he had that 31-yard reception. So it's like, man, when these Notre Dame receivers are catching the ball, good things are happening. But when you just look at the stats and it's like Michael Mayer caught five passes and then everyone else who caught a pass was only one, that's, that's scary. So reinforcements are very much needed. So like you said, let's go through these uh, re- receivers here um, that, who are committed. And, Darren, the thing I really like is that two of them are very much, like, ready-made. I think Rico Flores, a four-star receiver from Northern California, has been lighting it up early in his senior season. I, I think he can come in and play right away. Um, he is a fantastic route runner, um, good size, like physically ready to go, um, technically sound, comes from a very well-coached powerhouse program at Folsom. So I, I, I love Rico Flores Jr., 6'1", 195 pounds. Jaden Greathouse, similar, 6'2", 220. He's a little bit bigger, um, red zone threat, think little Chase Claypool-esque um, type player, highly productive from the Austin Westlake High School program that is dominant, um, regular state championship program, ranks number nine nationally, this, this Westlake team. Caught passes from Cade Klubnik last year, who on Monday night um, looked good in mop-up duty for Clemson at the quarterback spot. So I really like both of these guys can come in and play right away. Smart, heady football players. You could play into the boundary or in the slot. Braylon James, a tad bit more of a developmental receiver, but I mean, I, I think that he could even play as a freshman if need be. Another big body guy, I, I, I think he could play to the field or in the boundary. Um, a really nice pickup for the Irish um, out of the Austin area. So Notre Dame's got three receiver commitments. They would love to make it four with Tayshawn Lyons, um, uh, another Northern California prospect. So you got a couple guys from Northern California, Rico Flores and Tayshawn Lyons, and then Braylon James and Jay Greathouse from the Austin area. So um, Lyons is considered a Notre Dame lean, taking an official visit for the Cal game. Um, so we'll, we'll see if they're actually able to get him. He's a little bit more slender at 6'2", 165, Darren, but a fantastic route runner. And another guy who kind of seems ready-made to play sooner than later, um, you know, if he's to choose Notre Dame. So reinforcements are coming, folks. Mike Singer, Notre Dame football recruiting insider, Blue and Gold Illustrated, blueandgold.com. I'm Darren Pritchard. We're talking Notre Dame football recruiting on Sportspeed and also on the Blue and Gold YouTube channel. I referenced the Irish wide receivers from the Ohio State game. Let me just get a couple of thoughts from you on the Notre Dame offense, what you saw against Ohio State. What stood out to you? Darren, I overall was impressed with Tyler Buckner. And we were, Darren, when we were talking off air, I was thinking to myself, man, this is such good stuff that this just needs to be the stuff that's recorded. So, so much of this depends on your expectations. Personally, going into this game, I was not as high as Tyler, on Tyler Buckner as most of you were. So when he came out eight for eight, 120 yards, and threw a dime to Braden Lindsey and, it just looked composed and um, 
for his first start since his junior year of high school. Like I, I thought that Buckner played a really good game. You know, it was, didn't finish great and you know, threw 177 yards, but just overall, I thought Tyler Buckner looked pretty good. Um, you know, tight ends need to improve their blocking, but Michael Mayer's Michael Mayer. You know what you're getting there. The receivers flashed at times, just didn't get a ton of opportunities. I don't think you have a ton to take away from the running backs. Audric Estime, I thought was interesting that he was the dude um, to start. And then Logan Diggs and then Chris Tyree. So maybe, um, you know, Notre Dame showing its hand a little bit on the pecking order at the running back position. Um, so, yeah, Darren, it kind of felt like Notre, that Notre Dame offense was had training wheels on. If I'm just going to be completely honest, I liked the game that Tommy Reese called early. Um, it seemed very scripted, and I think Reese does a good job scripting these these play calls early. Um, but then in the second half, it just didn't look um, as sharp. Well, I've spent the last two days defending Tommy Reese because there's so much criticism of Notre Dame being conservative in this football game. Let's all be realistic here. When you have a first-time starting quarterback at the collegiate level, you're facing the number one offense from last year with a lot of their parts back. You're going to want to control the football. I understand that. And I thought the touchdown drive in the second quarter, Tommy Reese was fantastic, Mike. He had Ohio State off balance, a lot of creativity. They found Bauman going down the seam for a big play. So I really, really liked what they were doing. But let's also keep in mind, Tommy Reese was calling a game that was designed by the head coach. Marcus Freeman has told us he wanted to control the clock. He wanted to run the football. What was his previous job, Mike, before head coach? Defense, yeah, defense coordinator. And what do defensive coaches love? Not to be put in a bad position by the offense. Yeah, I, I think this is pretty common that the uh, head coaches with defensive background are a little bit more conservative. They want to take care of the football. They want to win a grinded-out, ugly game. And I don't think that Freeman's going to want that from that kind of mindset from Reese every game. No. Like, you don't need to, you know, have a slugfest against Marshall and Cal, but it kind of makes sense. Darren, we, we, before we started recording, we were kind of joking about, you know, or, or talking about soccer a little bit. Um, I, I love European soccer. And so when you have – um, like I'm a Liverpool fan, and when Liverpool is playing against a team that is not as good as them, what they'll often do is what's called parking the bus. You just play defensively, and you try to you, you you hope to hit them on the counterattack. That's sort of what Notre Dame was doing. Like, hey, we're going to um, play a, a possession game to kind of take away from what Ohio State is best at—a high-flying thing. So. Again, when teams play against Liverpool, they want to um, condense the field, take away what they're, they're best at, and, and I, that's kind of what Notre Dame did. Um, they, they wanted to keep Ohio State off the field, um, not get into a shootout with them because Notre Dame really doesn't have the horses. So um, I was a little bit surprised when Freeman came out and admitted that, um, but I mean, it kind of worked, right? I mean, they, they, I think they outplayed Ohio State for at least the first two and a half quarters. Um, at that time, the wheels just kind of fell off the wagon in the, in the fourth. I don't know why I didn't think of this earlier. When you bring up soccer, 
one way to control the tempo and slow it down, you fake an injury or two. You just roll around on the ground, somebody kicked you in the shin. That's a great way to slow down the pace of the game. Uh, yeah, faking injuries in that sport is the thing I hate the most for sure. So Yeah, me too. I, I wish they would just get sent off, but yeah. So what about the Irish defense? What did you like about that part of the performance? How about those defensive backs, Darren, against the arguably the best quarterback in the country and – you know, Cam Hart got, you know, bullied a little bit, for the lack of a better term. And Jack, Jackson Smith and Jigba got, you know, heard, and that helped. But overall, I think you're, again, going back to expectations, yeah. you didn't have high hopes for that Notre Dame defensive backfield. And then they came out and, um, at, at the very least, held their own. So you feel good about guys like um, – especially Jaden Mickey, even though he did give up that touchdown. don't know if you can fault him a ton because if, if Notre Dame just played man with a couple safeties back, they're not throwing that ball because you have Brandon Joseph or Ramon Henderson right there talking about the touchdown on the double safety blitz. Um, Benjamin Morrison looked good. Um, thought Clarence Lewis played a fine game. So Terry Bracey was maybe Notre Dame's best player on defense. Um a lot of people are talking about Isaiah Foskey, and you know, I had a lot of people asking me, hey, is he hurt? Is he even out there? Hey, I think he's getting doubled a ton, triple teamed at times. So, uh, Ohio State took away one of Notre Dame's best playmakers on defense. So um, that Ohio State offensive line was excellent. So yeah, holding the Buckeyes to 21 points. If you, Darren, if I would have told you, hey, Ohio State's going to score 21 before the game, win. you would have thought, all right, Irish win. Yep. So, no doubt. All right, finally, this is pretty incredible. You pointed this out to me, so I can't wait to hear more about this. We talk a lot about the on-three consensus rankings. So the class of 2023, the top 300 players in this ranking, 254 have made their college choice. 119 have picked either a current or a future SEC school, future being Texas and Oklahoma. Now, if you're watching on the YouTube video, you see at the bottom of this graphic, Notre Dame has 17, which is more than the Big 12 combined, and also even with the Pac-12 conference. So make this make sense. I do want to note that this, this statistic was done August 31st, so there might be some slight changes, but... Um, there, there's two ways to look at this. One, the Pac-12 and the Big 12 stink. Um, I, I mean, for the entire conference to have as many or less top 300 commitments than one single school is uh, that's that's wild to me. Um, but in the Pac-12, I mean, Oregon, Washington, Stanford, some schools that should be regularly getting top 300 recruits for Notre Dame to have as many as that entire conference is, is again, that, that, that's something else. But um, on the other side of this coin, it speaks to just how deep Notre Dame's classes are. Like, their Notre Dame's 2022 recruiting class finished number six and had some star power with guys like Jalen Sneed, who on three ranked as a five-star, and Emil Wagner. But, you know, it just didn't have, like, a lot of, like, top 50 players but it was just such a deep class. And that's what we're seeing for this Notre Dame 23 class as well. Just 
it's deep. You have um, five-star guys like Peyton Bowen and Charles Jagasaw, the, the, uh, the outstanding safety and offensive tackle, respectively. Um, but after that, it's just deep. I, I mean, Notre Dame has got a blue-chip ratio, which is um, your percentage of four- and five-star commits in the class. I think it's at 91% right now. That's really good. Brian Kelly was more than the 70% um, during his time at Notre Dame. So Irish are raising the floor of their recruiting classes where, you know, Kelly would have some classes where it would rank, you know, in the high teens or low 20s. I, I think Freeman's, it's going to be regular top 10 classes, but the very worst, like a top 12. Like I think the Irish um, are just kind of stepping their game up on the recruiting trail but they're in a, you can recruit great at tight end and linebacker and all, all these. You've got to get a quarterback. Um, and, and Notre Dame does not have one yet for the 23 class. So you, you can have all these playmakers, but you've got to have someone to give them the ball. See, I'm shocked. Even with USC and not necessarily UCLA, but the Big Ten only has 47. And when you consider USC, Michigan, Ohio State, Penn State. Let's just stop there. You would think they would have maybe on average three or four just all by themselves. I mean, Illinois, Indiana, Rutgers, Minnesota, they're not going to help on this particular list. But I'm shocked the Big Ten only has 47, and that's with USC included. I don't know, Darren. You want to throw it? This on three consensus is all four websites equally ranked. So it's not like, oh, well, one of the sites just loves the SEC. No, I mean, this you yep. think it would all even out and yeah, SEC with 119 and next is the big 10 with 47. That is, whew, wow. I mean, it's, I mean, people can throw out SEC bias all they want, but go look at like national championships in the past 12 years or whatever it is. It's dominated by the SEC. Hmm. Well, it doesn't help a conference when you win a game with two safeties and a field goal like Iowa did against South Dakota State winning 7-3. to three. That's just that's just Riveting Big Ten football. football. And I grew up in Big Ten country, so I guess I can make fun of, but that's just ugly. By the way, you don't have to answer this, but Kelly down at LSU, does he spend more time on recruiting or special teams? Ah, never mind. We'll, <laughs> we'll figure that out ourselves. All right, what's happening at Blue and Gold Illustrated, blueandgold.com in terms of recruiting? Yeah, uh, coverage of this weekend, you know, me on the road, um, you know, uh, looking at who's going to visit this weekend. We'll have all that at Blue and Gold. And then the scoop coming out of it, uh, up until the Clemson game, I don't think these recruiting weekends are going to be extremely deep um, in terms of quantity, but you're going to have quality visitors like Jeremiah Love this weekend and um, four-star receiver Tayshawn Lyons we discussed earlier. is going to take an official visit for that Cal game. So, there's going to be a good bit of recruiting coverage. Um, 23 class, 24 classes, stay locked in at bloomandgold.com, $1 for one year of access. Very good. He is Mike Singer, the Notre Dame football recruiting insider. Blue and Gold Illustrated, blueandgold.com. Thanks for the visit. Have a great week. We'll talk to you next week. Show me the money. We go with Darren Pritchett back with you. It was a good, good night last night for our We Going to Sizzlers segment. We had a push in one of the four wagers. Clemson, Georgia Tech, and went under 51 total points. It ended 51. 
with Clemson winning 41-10. Otherwise, I like what happened. I took the White Sox and Lance Lynn on the money line at Seattle at minus 120. Sox gave up a run late but still won 3-2. Another winning wager was the Guardians on the money line at Kansas City at minus 135. Guardians won 6-5, and we went under eight total runs. Rangers-Astros, one run was scored. Houston won, one to nothing. So 3-0-1 last night, 7-4-1 for the month of September, and for the year, 125-101-3. and The selections for tonight, we'll start with a two-team parlay. Cardinals on the money line against the Nationals. Guardians on the money line at the Royals at plus 110. Second suggestion, the Cardinals and the Nats under eight total runs at minus 115. Choice number three, the Rays on the money line over the Red Sox at minus 135. And choice four, a player prop, Diamondback starting pitcher Merrill Kelly to go over four and a half strikeouts at the Padres at minus 120. We just missed out on our underdog pick last night. We had the White Sox minus one and a half runs at plus 145. They gave up that late run, only one by one, so we lost. Our underdog pick tonight, it's a big underdog. The A's at home on the money line against the Braves at plus 185. Sports Beat tonight brought to you by Budweiser, the Mishawaka Education Foundation, South Bend Orthopedics, Midland Engineering Company, Tim Growl, State Farm Insurance, Legacy Heating and Air, Pet Refuge, the Food Bank of Northern Indiana, and Four Winds Casinos. Coming up in 20 minutes, South Bend Cubs baseball on WSBT Radio South Bend taking on Cedar Rapids on the road tonight. Pre-game, 7-15, first pitch at 7-35. I'll talk to you tomorrow. Budweiser's weekday sports beat starting at 5 on Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Hey everyone, Saltgrass Steakhouse is now open in Mishawaka. Wrangle up the crew and head down to Saltgrass Mishawaka for an unforgettable experience. Sink your teeth into mouth-watering char-grilled, certified Angus beef steaks. Sip on ice-cold craft cocktails. And don't forget to try the famous Spicy Range Rattlers, all made daily in the Scratch Kitchen. Start making delicious memories at Saltgrass Mishawaka, 5126 North Main Street, across from Lazy Boy Furniture Galleries. Dine with us today. 